Hello? Are we on the air? Welcome to the Beyond the Mind podcast, where we ask not what's in your head, but what your head is in. Prepare to be inspired. Inspired to change your environment, change your mindset, and ultimately change your life. Willpower doesn't work, people. If you truly want to move away from stress and anxiety, you have to start with your environment. With your environment. So let's go. Let's apply some positive change into your world. Happiness is loading. Is loading. Welcome to the Beyond the Mind podcast. I'm your host, Ian Highfield. And on today's show, we have a guest that actually played a huge role in my journey. Um, For those of you that know my story, you know that around 10 to 12 years ago, I lost my job um, working in the corporate world. I fell out of love with the corporate world. I lived above a pizza shop. I had no money, no direction didn't really know what I was going to do. And I took my last £2,000 and invested it in some personal development and uh, self-help education. That course taught me something called modeling. And basically what modeling is, is you find someone that is doing what you want to do and you model them. Well, today's guest was that person for me. Dan Abraham's is the England soccer, England rugby, and England golf sport psychologist. He has worked with some of the best athletes in the world, helping them strive towards their goals and dreams and helping them perform to a higher level. And I had a conversation with Dan, and the ultimate goal for this conversation and this podcast was What has he learned working with these elite athletes? What is he teaching some of the best soccer players, best rugby players, best golfers in the world to do that you at home can implement into your daily routines to be better fathers, better husbands, better wives, better mothers, better friends, better in the boardroom, better in a sales conference, better in a sales call, Um, push yourself more if you're going to the gym, if you're training for a half marathon, if you want to take up trampolining or tennis, what can you take from potentially the best sports psychologist in the world and apply into your life? So I'm super excited that I have managed to get someone on the show that played a part in my journey, someone whose career I looked up to, someone who I looked up to individually and modeled their work. So check out the conversation when I spoke to Dan. I hope you enjoy. Dan, how are you, buddy? I'm really well. Thank you, Ian. I'm delighted and honored to be uh, chatting with you today. So uh, you've made my day, mate. So it's it's all good. Well, mate, you you had me on your podcast, um, you know, I think over a year ago now. Uh, and it was uh, so helpful to me uh, to be associated with your podcast. People were reaching out to me. So I only hope that this can ha- uh, help you maybe 10% of how you helped me by uh, having me on your show. So that, that, that's well, my I'm, goal today. 
I'm looking, I'm looking forward to the commission uh, from all the <laughs> sales that you've made and the consultancy uh, approaches you've had. And uh, if it's more, if it's more commission, if it's more than a beer, then just buy me a beer <laughs> or a nice glass of wine. We'll go posh, a nice glass of wine. All right, mate, you've, you've got a deal. So for the, for the people that are, are listening for the podcast world out there, can you just, um, just introduce yourself and, and tell them a little bit about what it is you do and, and what you've done in the past and, and, and your journey? Sure. Um, well, my name's Dan Abrahams. I'm a sports psychologist, a registered psychologist here in the UK. Um, I am a former professional golfer. Um, and as I always say on these introductions, uh, failed miserably as a professional golfer, didn't win any money, largely because of what was happening between my two ears. <laughs> Walked onto the first tee and thought I was the worst player there and had no chance of shooting a good score and um, saw the trees and the bunker and the, the water rather than the fairway. Uh, which inevitably led to some pretty poor scores. And again, set against the backdrop of actually working really hard on my game. You know, I, I don't think there's many people out there who would have worked harder. I'm sure there are some, but not many. Um, so, um, and, and when I was playing, I was really interested in the psychological side. I saw a few sports psychs myself, uh, some, some good and not so good experiences. And I, I picked up uh, a book uh, called The Inner Game of Golf, Timothy Galway, uh, when I was about 15, 16, and that sort of progressed onto Dr. Bob Rotella's books, Golf is Not a Game of Perfect, and, and other various books. And I was probably too studious on that side of things. You know, it's not always great for the gladiator in the arena to be reading those kind of books all the time, but too much information. But um, when I finished playing, um, I coached the game. I did my PGA qualification. So I, I clocked up quite a few thousand hours of, of coaching. And I just fell further in love with with the psychological, psychosocial, I suppose, aspects of, of sport, sports coaching, sports competing. And so when I was coaching, I went to university, did a degree in psychology, uh, then a master's degree in sports psychology and came to a crossroads about 15 years ago and was either going to carry on as a golf coach with uh, the sports psychology qualifications on the side or become a full-time sports psychologist and so, so I, 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 I chose the latter largely because I really wanted to work in a range of sports and potentially in other domains and over the last 15 years that's what I've been doing I've had the, 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 the pleasure of working very heavily in golf and very heavily in in, in football uh, soccer I should say um, <laughs> and across all sports and across all sports but um, in golf I've been lead psych I was lead psych for England golf between 2013 2016 I've worked with a number of golfers on both sides of the, of the Atlantic um, I I uh, wrote a book called Golf Tough back in about I think it was 2016 something like that um, and then in in soccer football um, which has I suppose been my predominant sport uh, working in um, I've had the pleasure to sit down with the best footballers in the world uh, some of the best coaches managers in the world um, I've managed to build up a don't know how but the global reputation of somebody who says some sensible things from time to time uh, I've written three books soccer tough soccer tough two soccer brain um, and um, yeah just work all over the place and I have an online soccer academy uh, Dan Abraham soccer academy that supports a number of colleges in the states clubs and players coaches and parents um, and currently do a day a week at AFC Bournemouth in the English Premier League in the medical department there and then in other sports I've been lead psychologist for England rugby 
um, and as I say, work, worked in all sports really, tennis, basketball, baseball, across the whole raft. So that's me. And I also have a podcast called The Sports Psych Show, which you very kindly came on. So yeah, I think that brings us up to speed. Awesome. And Dan, you, you know this a, a little bit, but 12 years ago, when I sort of set out on this journey, I'm a big believer in modeling. So modeling is basically you find someone who's doing what you want to do and you not necessarily copy, but you model a lot of the characteristics that, that took them there. And I remember Googling something along the lines of how to be a sport, a sports psychologist or how to be a great performance coach. I, I can't remember what it was. Um, but I stumbled across yourself uh, and a couple of other people. And 12 years ago, you were one of the people that I was like, right, that's it. Dan Abrams, that is someone uh, that I'm going to model. So I've followed pretty much everything that you've written. I follow, I think your LinkedIn is just phenomenal, the, the stuff that you, that you put out on there. Um, and I've modeled a lot of the stuff that, that you do. So I'm very excited to get the chance to interview you with the goal of helping some of the listeners that are willing to, to take action model what elite performers do. So for example, you've worked with England rugby players. Now rugby was, was my game. I have a sly idea of what it takes to play for England rugby and holy smoke, it is, that is not an easy journey. These guys, you know, they, they exude excellence. You work with England soccer players and now Premier League soccer players. They, obviously, a lot of them have very, very, very good habits. So how can people that listen to the Beyond the Mind podcast take what, some take some of the habits or some of the actions or some of the psychology that these elite have and apply it into their daily life so that their life gets gets better or they can take steps towards their goals and dreams it's a really good question and before i get on to it i, I did wonder who that stalker was who's <laughs> always underneath my window I'm, looking up wondering i'm glad you I'm got doing. that restraining order lifted that really <laughs> helped my uh, career progression thanks for that mate yeah, um, I watch my I watch my back. I'll keep I'll keep <laughs> looking around for you, just poking your head around the corner, just what what I'm doing. Um, no, look, um, I, you know what? I I think um, me being me, I I suppose it, it's a really really great question. But I almost wonder sometimes Ian, if if actually, I mean, certainly high performers do lead. Uh, leave, I should say, a, a trail of of uh, success and process success behind them there's no doubt about that um but i almost feel where i could potentially contribute here is um, talking a little bit about the work i do with players and, and coaches um that perhaps even some of the best don't do uh you know because i i, I spent that year with for instance england rugby and you're, you're quite right to say that you know wow i mean just, they're just you know, these big strong guys yeah. that um uh, strength beyond I, anything i know power beyond anything i i i can consider and you know great skill as well and 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 all combining to make excellence or turning it into a package of excellence 
Um, at the same time, I do think at the very top end of any game, any adult elite professional um, can sometimes be left wanting on the psychological side or in the psychological side. You know, I, I, I took away from that experience that, wow, you know, I, I think actually England rugby could do so much more on the psychological side. Um, I, I've had the opportunity to sit down with some of the world's best soccer players, footballers, and uh, sometimes scratched my head as when, you know, I've asked them the question, what are you trying to achieve mentally? And tumbleweed flows across wow. the ground and yeah it, it is like that and I, I think it's good that it's like that you know it's good for us I think it's it's interesting that it is I do think some people have so much skill in their hands or skill in their feet that they can get away with it you know and you've worked heavily in the world of golf and, and you know that that's a similar landscape and you know we can all think of a player in the world's top 10 or several just probably about all just about all players who you know are just so good they've got so much skill in their hands that they do get away with a lot of things um but they do do a lot of very good things mentally as well maybe one exception is tiger woods who's just so good mentally on the course uh i don't know about off the course i think there's some dubious behaviors there but certainly historically but certainly on the course um wow i mean what an incredible competitor he is and you know, I think being a competitor uh, on the course or the court or the pitch and in everyday life um, is about having a great mindset. I think a consistent high performance under pressure stems from, you know, having a great mindset. When you've got a great mindset, when you organize it, when you know exactly what you're trying to achieve, when you've got a framework, if you like, I, I think that that's, that's so important. And I, and I suppose that would be my number one uh, tip maybe here is is have a framework have a framework for your performance moments i know you want me to speak about learning from sports people to for people to take into their everyday life you know people in their everyday life have performance moments don't they they have performance moments at work they have performance moments at home you know you could even say the interactions with your kids or your partner um uh, with your friends they can be performance moments as well and I don't want them to sound too mechanical but that's kind of how we are in in life you yeah. know that, 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 that there, there's times to let go of course when you're down the pub with your mates you're not necessarily going to be having a, not necessarily going to be having a plan for sociality um, but some people might need to introverts might need to so um, look I, I think the first tip is to if you think of your performance moments have a framework for those performance moments and I, I'd like to because I, that, that's something I say to all sports people and something if, if I have a passion within my work it's i i want every sports person in every sport to have a framework to the mental side of their game and i i mean even now at a point where i'm saying even those who have that enormous amount of skill in their hands or their feet depending on the sport um who get away with it often don't always get away with it and i and i'm I think even your Lionel Messi's, your Ronaldo's, if we're going from the world of soccer, your Tom Brady's, um, your Steph Curry's, um, I think even the best competitors need a framework. And I'm sure to a degree, if they sat down and they thought about it, some of those players will have 
it it probably wouldn't be articulated yeah. as in a precise manner as I would like. I feel personally I could add value with that respect, which has made me, and I don't want that to sound a pompous thing. I don't want that to sound a pretentious thing. I don't want that to sound an arrogant thing, but I think you do get to a stage in our profession when you feel, yeah, whether it's welfare or well-being, or whether it's just adding value from that performance structure, that framework, you know, you feel that you can add value to, to most sports competitors, uh, performance situation or life. So let's get back to that. So I can think- I, Can I add one thing first? Yeah, please do, please. I, I think I like the way that you reframed the question because I've made elite athletes there sound almost like something superhuman, right? Hey, yep. you, you coach these superhuman people. Tell us what superhumans do and we'll apply it into our life. But the way that you've reframed it, it's like, Hey, you know, if, if you're a husband, a wife, a father, you're working every day, whatever it is you do in your life, even if you're an elite athlete, everyone has these areas for development psychologically. So you've sat down with these people that are perceived as superhuman, but you've actually seen that, Hey, there's areas for development here. So I think that's great for the listener because, you know, they can then understand, well, if Ronaldo or Lionel Messi or Tom Brady need to build a framework, then there's not that much difference actually between my mindset and their mindset. I also need to build a framework. So I love the way that, that you've reframed that. And then, yeah, I would love you to help now. What, what ultimately what is a framework and how could someone build it and action it into their everyday habits or their environment? That's what I would be really keen to, to know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that framework, uh, is really based around taking charge of yourself in the moment, you know, and there's various words and terms used for that self-regulation, self-management, self-control, um, deep inside psychology. We might even call it motivated agency, which is a horrible term. So we'll ignore that one. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think that you know, if I'm thinking of your listenership and it might be people going into workplaces and having challenging conversations, meetings, um, presentations, they've got to be able to perform under pressure. And so I, I'm, again, let's relate it to sport, but back to those everyday, everyday uh, performance situations, performance under pressure. I'm always keen for, for players people to have what I call a game face, a game face. Um, and let, let me express this in terms of sport, first of all. Um, so I'll give you a working example here. I, I work with a player who is uh, a, a, a top 20 world player. And that, that's objective because that's been there's, been, there's a certain uh, award that's given out each week in stock, each week, each year in stocker um, that, that places people in a, a world sort of uh, index. And uh, he played in the Champions League final um, last year. So 1st of June 2019, Champions League being arguably the biggest game of the year. Um, globally and he went into that game and his number one objective was this 
my job on the pitch is to be relentless and dominant, relentless and dominant. Nothing and no one is going to take me away from relentless and dominant. I'm going to be relentless and dominant with every run, every movement, every action. I'm going to be relentless and dominant no matter what happens. If I, if I missed a great chance to score, relentless and dominant. If my cross goes into row Z, relentless and dominant. If I fail to close down a space and the striker gets in front of me and bang, it's a goal, relentless and dominant. If we go a goal down, relentless and dominant. So, his game face was relentless and dominant. Another player here, a player who plays for England um, in, as a soccer international, his game face is confident, relentless lion. Confident, relentless lion. Another player I work with is Cool Calm Van Dyke. Cool Calm Van Dyke, and, and those who are soccer aficionados will recognize that name. Player who was voted the, the player of the year last season, Virgil van Dijk. So, so this, this, this player I'm talking about, um, cool, calm van Dijk. Uh, I worked with a golfer once who played in the British open and he was a surprise qualifier, but his game face was Maca bounce, Maca bounce. And I'll explain that one in a minute. Um, uh, an- another person had uh, relaxed, uh, relaxed, focused rows, relaxed, focused rows. That was another golfer. Uh, I think you're starting to see where I'm coming from here. So, yeah. so those are examples of game faces, game faces. So what a game face is, is it's the personality you want to have in the moment. It's the attitude you want to portray. It's your optimal mindset and it, especially in sporting terms, it optimizes your physical state. Uh, So those are the explanations as to what it is. It's think of a game. This is my game face for this moment here. And the way you help a player uh, create a game face or, or the way anybody can create a game face is, is to think about you at your best in that particular performance moment. So it might be somebody listening in in who does a lot of sales meetings, for instance. If I was sitting down with that person, I would be saying, tell me about you at your best. Tell me about you at your best. When you're in your best sales meeting, what does that look like? Maybe you're making a sale, or maybe you haven't made the sale, or you don't make the sale, but you're still, you're selling good. Tell me about that. What does that look like? Or the soccer player, tell me about you at your best. Pick a best game. Or the golfer. You know, pick pick your best performance. What are you doing? How are you acting? How are you walking? How are you moving? How are you going about your business? So you're tapping into, you're helping a player or a person tap into their memory, tap into their memory. Another question you can ask is, tell me about your dream game. Tell me about a game that hasn't happened, that's a 10 out of 10, or even let's play with an idea, 11 out of 10 game. Tell me about, about your dream sales presentation or sales pitch. Tell me about your dream meeting. Okay, how are you going about that? How are you acting? How are you holding yourself? How are you articulating yourself? How are you talking to the person? You know, how are you dealing with uh, objections or difficult questions? Mm. And then uh, another question could be, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be on the pitch? Who do you want to be on the course or the court? Who do you want to be in this meeting? So uh, we've got memory. The second one was the dream game, which is imagination. And the third one is, is perception. Who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? So, and what you're trying to do, I don't always ask those three questions. It depends how it's going, but I certainly start with the memory one. It's just, it's, you're trying to get somebody to elicit, you're trying to elicit some action-based words. 
So think about that relentless and dominant, alert, alive, lively, upbeat, sharp, focused, belief, confident, relaxed, cool, calm. Um, you're trying to elicit some action-based words, maybe a couple of action-based words, okay? But they've got to be able to act those out. They've got to be meaningful. And then you might want them, you talked about modeling, you might get them to pick a model player or a model person. So that model player might be, well, it's like Cool Calm Van Dyke. That person had two, that soccer player had two words, uh, action-based words, and then Van, Van Dyke. That person said, if I think of Cool and Calm, I think about who I want to be on the pitch. Virgil van Dyke, you know, somebody in the business world might pick a work colleague who it, who embodies who they want to be in that sales meeting or that sales pitch or in the meeting with, um, I don't know, another uh, part of their team or something or in a difficult meeting, yeah. you know, so, 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 so uh, picking a model player or I get players to pick animals a lion, a leopard, a cheetah, yeah. which I think, you know, and again, I think it's so personal to you that even in a sales meeting or a, a meeting to your company or a big presentation, a, an, a lion would be great because, you know, upbeat, dominant um, lion. You know, when I stand in front of an audience of 500, strong, strong and aggressive, I try to be strong and aggressive. Now, aggressive sounds like the wrong word, but for me, it's, it's, it's just, it's dominant. You know, it's it's kind of upbeat, uh, aggressive, and dominant. It's who I want to be because that works for me. You know, I try to get into my game face. So I think everybody needs the game face. And I think last thing to say on this one is that a lot of some people, not a lot of people, some people come back at me and they just want to say they look at me and say, "But isn't that inauthentic?" And Yes, absolutely. It might be inauthentic, but there's no rule book to say that we have to be authentic in our performance moments. Okay. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that, um, um, that we should be like this all the time. I'm not saying we always have our game faced on, um, by any stretch of imagination. In fact, I don't think we should. I think that's unhealthy. I think a game face needs to be a, a keen mix between inauthentic and authentic. I think it can be completely authentic if you want it to be, or it could be completely inauthentic. It depends on what you're going into, what you're, what, what situation you're going into. But certainly for f soccer players, for golfers, for so if we take that golf one, Maca Bounce, yeah. Well, Think about the name, Maca McElroy. That yeah. player said because this player was like qualified for the Open. To be quite frank, Dan, and he didn't say these terms, but he said, "I'm terrified." He said it in slightly stronger detail and um, we talked about it and he's very anxious and worried and doubting and we started to create a picture of what Macabouts would look like and actually shifting his attention onto being Macabouts, walking onto the practice ground, walking off the practice ground, onto the potting green, walking off there onto the first tee. That's a very important walk, I think. You know, holding himself Macabouts, even when he's not walking, you know, just being just even in his own private body time, the sensations for his body, Maca bounce, just holding himself tall, kind of Maca bounce. You know, it's actually, it's unbelievable you've said that because, you know, we, we didn't know where this was going to go. I show students of mine, especially young golfers that want to play collegiate golf or mm. let's say they've qualified for the US junior or it's their first time. Play I show them videos. I use two players. I use Ian Poulter for in-between shots for his body yeah. language. And I show them McElroy walking. 
and I say, look at his bounce. What does that exude? So it's unbelievable that, and, and you know, we haven't set that up. It's unbelievable that you've said that because what, what ha, you know, how does it start? He's not this confident kid that walks with this bounce. That evolves through learning and training, I'm, I'm going to assume, based on, on what, you've, what you've said. Yeah, I, I think so. And I, I, I think that, I think a lot of this comes back to, we have this, again, I'm going to give you a horrendous psychological term. It's, it's called embodied cognition. Uh, but this, the simple translation of that is um, our mental processes, cognition, cognition is our mental processes, our mental processes are embodied. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the time, what we perceive in our world is heavily influenced by the feelings we experience in our body. Mm. And it's a very, it's a very, uh, and that's why I said the walk to the first T is quite important because if we're nervous, if we're anxious and our attention tends to dwell on those nerves, that anxiety, um, and then our attention tends to play about a bit. So we, we, we focus on our nerves, we focus on that sick feeling, and then maybe it, 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 it draws on our environment for evidence of that. So it, it, it looks at the players that we're playing against and or playing with and, and their swing, and it looks down the fairway and it, does, it looks quite narrow. Um, whereas if I choose to hold myself in a particular way, walk in a particular way, hold myself in a particular way, um in a in a way that's quite empowering um that enables us to perceive things in a in a more helpful uh way so uh, i can start to focus on the fairway as opposed to the the surroundings and I'm, i understand it's a dynamic process in as much as we probably do want to spend a bit of time focusing on where we don't want the ball to go i get that's part of a routine um but uh, we certainly want to be able to take charge of our bodies and the experience that we have of living in our bodies and i want to feel strong and powerful or dominant if i could get my if i could go back ian and I could have a game face myself. Not that he was around at the time, because I'm much older than him, but I would be strong, dominant Kepka walking onto mm. that first tee. And I know now, um, and I say this with every confidence, would I have been a world's top 200 player? Probably not, mate. I, I get that. <laughs> I wasn't good enough. But would I have won more money? Damn straight, I would have done. Yeah. Would I have had more fun? Damn straight. And I think it would have been very interesting as to how good I could have got. In, not in terms of world class. I'm not saying that. But given that I got nowhere, I got nowhere. Um, I, I, I really think I could have benefited. And I, and I, if I could get back in a magic time machine, strong, dominant Kepka, and held myself like that. I know I would have made so many better um, swings rather than the inhibited swings that I made. And I just think it's a a fascinating landscape that. But the key is to hold that. You've got to hold that. So the people walking into their meeting, you know, they might, you know, this sounds a bit random and a bit silly, but let's just say I've got a work colleague called Clive who is cool and calm under pressure. And I just think, okay, I want to be cool, calm Clive 
in my work meeting yeah. because I've got a particularly challenging um, presentation coming up and my big boss is watching and is going to make a decision. And when I think of Clive, okay, I can, I can imagine embodying what Clive looks like. I can imagine holding myself that, using his gestures, you know, uh, emanating coolness and calmness. I'm going to add in those two words as well, cool, calm. So cool, calm, Clive. So I'm going to walk in the room, cool, calm, Clive. I'm going to hold myself. I'm going to present cool, calm, Clive. If I have a few negative thoughts, I'm just going to either talk back to those negative thoughts or ignore those negative thoughts and stay cool, calm, Clive. So, you know, that, that's, it sounds a bit odd and it sounds a bit weird, but that is really how we function as humans or we can utilize that to actually function highly as a human being in the it's moment. It's awesome. And Dan, I think you're talking and I'm doing this for myself as you're doing it. So again, I don't want people to listen to this podcast just to hear the words. I want them to take action. So I hope they're having the same experience as me right now because I'm literally getting trained mentally by a guy who's worked with England soccer, rugby, and, and international golf stars. So right now, uh, I'm going to try and steal some free coaching off you live on the podcast, if that's okay. <laughs> no, absolutely. What, 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 how are you embodying? What are you doing? Yeah, so I'm thinking of me in two, two areas. One that I really thrive and one where I need to get better. So I'm pretty extroverted and I like to talk and, and host the room, etc. And often that leads to poor listening skills, talking for the sake of talking, not necessarily hearing questions, um, just really not as attentive as I'd want to be in, in certain scenarios. So when I'm on stage, I feel like I'm playing this role very well. Expressive, in flow and on point and by on point i mean very prepared and very concise with the language that i'm using i've i've learned over the years to, to try and cut down on the waffle so on stage when i present expressive in flow on point but i don't want to necessarily be that when i go into a meeting so when i transition off the stage and i'm there to to listen I want to be attentive, calculated, and concise. And I think that's my area for development. So can you give me feedback on those two different roles? Am I doing that correctly? Because I, I think people at home can now be like, oh, yeah, this is what I was doing. They could almost get their pen and paper out. And, and this is the whole point of this podcast. They can actually begin to action these things. So what, what's your feedback on mine? Yeah, I love what you said. I, I, I think in, in some respects, that you what you've done there that I like is you've taken the idea of game face and you've, I actually I think you've extended it. You've almost, um, you've pinpointed specific performance moments. One that you're, as you said, you're good at. One that you want to improve. And you've create you, you've assigned words related to beh the behaviours that you want to encapsulate, um, and utilise the game face that way, which I like, awesome. which I like, and I and I think that I, I think that's a really interesting thing because I think that I think that I can traditionally utilise game face from a 
here's a 90 minute game of football be this for 90 minutes mm-hmm. um here's a, a four-hour game of golf now you're not going to re- remain in your game space all the time but um certainly you, you want to you, you can be in there for a, a big proportion of time but what you've done is you're going right here in my presentation this is what I want to be. And then when I've done my presentation, I step out of it and that might be a half hour present presentation. I'm done, but you've used words that relate to who you want to be and how you, how you want to perform. Um, I I also have a second question as well, Dan. Yeah. This is, if I go into a meeting and I'm listening to the meeting and things are going well and I've got my game face on, I'm attentive, I'm calculated, I'm concise. And I can see that I'm, I'm, I'm listening to hear. I'm not listening to respond. I'm mm-hmm. taking good notes and saving my questions for the appropriate time rather than, than interjecting. Um, I, I can almost see this, but let's say the meeting's not going my way. It's not going well. I'm struggling. Should I have these words written as my screensaver on my laptop? Should I have read them to myself in my car? Should I have written them on my hand as a soccer player? Would they be on my boots or on my armband? Like when things go wrong, cause they do. And I always believe, you know, a lot of the time we prepare for these idealistic moments, but dealing with adversity is really what separates us. So how can I have something with me to, to stick to this or how can the listener have something that just reminds them of this? What, what would your recommendations be? I think several things. Um, I like what you're saying. Uh, I think that um, the first thing to say is there's a, a, a good psychological technique called mental contrasting, which is, as, as you've mentioned really that not everything is going to go right. Too often we prepare, we, we plan for things to go right without planning for what we're going to do if things go wrong and the game face is there to help things to go right. But also the game face is there to help you when things aren't going so great. Um, I, I think on that basis, several things I, I do think first and foremost, it is about putting mindset first. And again, I don't think people necessarily do that. So if, let's take a sales meeting. They go in to pitch the product and they, they're trying to remember their lines for what the product is. Uh, they may even have some, uh, some lines to deal with objections, but they don't necessarily think about how they want to portray their, their, themselves and who they want to be. Yeah, that's just an uh, excellent point. That- yeah. I've been there. That is so, that's so powerful. That's, that's awesome. Sorry, Dan, carry on. No, 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 no. And, 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 it, and it's, uh, Hey, look, I say all of this and I do all of this and, uh, create these things. And, and at the same time, I don't always practice what I preach. So I, <laughs> I, I'm just as guilty. I think, so I think it's, there is something about a sports competitor and probably therefore a business exec or somebody in the workplace there's something about a sports competitor having putting mindset first that's so important in a narrative that they never do that we're so socialized in sport into outcome and performance yes outcome and performance and we're not socialized into I me mean, you know the old adage in about being process oriented and uh, and we're certainly not uh, socialized there 
but within that process we're not socialized into the mindset side so i think it's about saying well i'm gonna put maybe it's about saying i'm gonna put game face first i'm gonna put these three words first that's my number one priority and i'm saying this because i think when you do that you've got more chance of remembering it because you've kind of said to me well is it should we put cues down and stuff like that and and, and absolutely but I, I think you've got more chance of being your game face being in your game face dealing with objections dealing with tough moments times when it's going wrong in the style of your game face when you put it first so i think there's that uh, and i think quite often that um it manages that circumstance however all i can reflect back to you is is exactly what you've said that yes i mean writing down i mean i've had footballers who have gone into a stadium with I remember one player had uh, a game face of dominant greyhound and you know <laughs> he went into that fifty thousand stadium with a dominant greyhound written on the back of his hand goalkeepers uh, writing uh, on their gloves yeah. um you know, obviously, uh, in the workplace, you might write it on a piece of paper. It might be there on your notes. You know, you might have your bullet points related to your sales pitch. And next to that, you might have your game face written next to that. So you, you've got it there as a reminder. Um, in terms of order, I would put game face first. Um, bullet points, whether it's a sales pitch or presentation second, I would put the game face first. Yeah, it's so cool, man, because I've been through, when I work, worked in the corporate world, I've been through sales training, and it was all about performance and the close and the open and the indirect pitch and the direct pitch and the tell sale and the two-minute elevator, but no one ever helped me evolve that game face. And if you don't have that game face, if you're not in tune, then you can't respond correctly to the moment with those correct tools. So it's, it's so powerful, man. And look, I'm just so excited that the listeners, whether you are a dad, what game face do you need to be a dad? What game face do you need to be an amazing husband? What game face do you need in that sales meeting? What game face do you need when you're watching your kids play sport and they walk off the pitch and they've had a disappointing result? You know, it, it, it's just amazing. You're just going to create such self-awareness and be able to play into that role and be so much more effective um, that I think it's just excellent information. Um, I did say one thing to you, Dan, when we started, I said that I was doing a 30 day fitness challenge. Mm. Um, so recently I've got pretty heavily into CrossFit over the last couple of years. Yep. Um, and <clears throat> I won't say what game face I have on when I do CrossFit. I'm not quite sure yet. I'll get back to you on that one. Um, but I've, I've benefited a lot from being a bit healthier and really it was the environment and the community that I entered that helped me. So I'm trying to do the same for other people. I'm, I'm creating this 30 day fitness challenge to create a community where people feel comfortable just having something to action, someone to be part, something to be part of, as opposed to trying and going, doing this all on your own. There's this online community, the, the BTM challenge, where there's probably about 50 of us now that are just posting and sharing our, our fitness goals for 30 days. Now, some of them are quite demanding. So I just think it's fantastic that I get to give these people uh, the opportunity to have some um, input, some psychological input from someone who's worked with England rugby players, England soccer players, some of the world's best golfers. So what advice what do you give to the people that are doing this, this 30 day challenge as a, 
let's let's just pretend you're coaching them. What questions would you ask? What advice would you give? What what could they action to help them on their quest to to be a little bit uh, fitter, stronger, and and feel better in their own bodies? Um, I'll give you two bits of advice. Um, and first one in line with what we've been talking about with the game face, because this really does work for endurance performance as well. But to use it with the cadence of your uh, whatever. Um, athletic endeavor you're doing obviously this works best if you're running um but it can work to the rhythm of other sports as well so for instance if your game face if you're running is strong and powerful um you can do that to the cadence the rhythm of your 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 run so strong and powerful strong and powerful strong and powerful that's four steps actually strong on the first and powerful strong and powerful um and there's good evidence uh, i spoke to on my own podcast uh, a really good guy steve magnus uh, about this who's uh, one of the world's leading athletic trainers and there's good evidence that when you're doing something like that you're releasing testosterone which underpins high performance um wow. for endurance sports i didn't know that wow that's yeah amazing. Yeah, so, you know, and there's good evidence to do There's some research evidence to su- suggest that competitors who are falling away from the falling off the lead pack, for instance, in marathons, they're starting to release a, a, a hormone called cortisol, which mm. is your stress hormone, whereas the ones who are pushing on are releasing testosterone. So how do you do that? Strong and powerful. That's an example you can use, you know, it could be up beat line upbeat line but with the cadence of your of your run of your i dare say you could do that with cycling quite simply you could do it with any form of training um and then the other little thing again comes from uh, another dan abraham's colloquialism is to just squash the ants uh, ants a-n-t-s being an acronym for automatic negative thought so a for automatic and negative t thought so you're going to experience ants that's the reality of it. Oh, I'm not good. I'm tired. I can't keep going. Oh, God. And then what happens is you drop, you drop in intensity. So you have the ant and then you drop in intensity. Um, and by and large, if we take the whole of the psychological literature, very broad brush statement, this, but um, there's two things you do with ants. Okay. You either spot, stop and shift them through using something like a game face. So you spot the ant, you stop the ant, and you shift it by shifting back onto your game face, for instance. You know, so you might be yeah. running and you start saying, oh, I'm knackered, I can't. And you start to feel yourself slowing down. The intensity drops. No, come on, stop. Strong and powerful. Strong and powerful. So there's that idea. Um, the other one, which is um, there's a now psychological framework that's becoming more prominent called ACT acceptance commitment therapy. And that very much revolves around rather than intentionally stopping the ant and then shifting it onto something else. It's more a case of accepting that part of the human condition is you will have destructive thoughts or unhelpful thoughts. Um, That's fine. That's okay. You don't do anything. You just allow them to come in and just keep going. You know, you don't, you don't act upon them. You accept them, but you commit to keep on doing the task that you're doing irrespective of that. And, um, I very much like the former, but I'm biased. Um, but uh, those are the those are a couple of things that you can do: game face ants, game face with cadence ants, with either getting back to game face or ex- acceptance. 
Yeah, I, I very much like the the cadence one as well. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna work that out. And anyone doing the challenge, I'll post myself when I run today or when I exercise today. I'll post myself uh, trying to do that, trying to get into the the cadence um, with the, with the game face words, etc. And if anyone else wants to post that, um, you know, feel free. And again, this is this is advice coming from someone who's worked with. The, the greatest athletes, rugby, soccer, golfers in the world. So, uh, Dan, I, th- I can't thank you enough. We're, we're so privileged to have this um, expert information. Uh, like I said, um, I, I did stalk you, I'll admit that, and um, it's probably not going to stop. Um, if people uh, are like me and, and want to stalk you, want to find out more information, where can they get some of this uh, expert advice? Maybe in free downloads or maybe in paid books, online courses, you know, sh- please share as, as, as much as you possibly can. Sure. Well, look, firstly, uh, thank you very much for your invite and to be on your show. I'm absolutely honored to be, um, irrespective of your stalking. Um, <laughs> I, um, I think the first protocol is always website, isn't it? So you can find me on danabrahams.com. Um, and on danabrahams.com you can find you know my work in soccer and golf other sports you can see my books which are available on amazon that's uh, soccer tough soccer tough 2 soccer brain and golf tough and all are applicable for all sports um you could nip uh, oh you can also on my website go to danabrahams.com forward slash academy um, which is my online academy, uh, which helps coaches, players and parents work together on the mental side of the game. At the moment, there's a deal on plan one, which is for coaches or players or parents. Um, and that's at £49, about $55, down from £199. So there's over 100 videos and over 80 exclusive articles. And um, in terms of other things, uh, my main Twitter account is at danabrahams 77 um, I'm on Facebook at Dan Abrahams Soccer, um, where I'm posting every day a little article, which is also on LinkedIn. Um, my Instagram is at Dan Abrahams Sport, and my podcast is The Sport Psych Show. And I think that's it. Awesome, Dan. And, and, and what's next? Do you, know, do you have any inside information on when the Premier League's starting again? Because I'm... I'm missing it a little bit. I'd, I'd like. Yeah, no, I, 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 I don't really, to be honest with you. Um, I haven't had a call. Um, I, uh, to be honest with you, actually today as we're speaking, I don't know when this is going to be released, but as we're speaking, um, July the 8th, oh, sorry, big upon June the 8th is the shout for uh, a return to play. So Premier League players themselves will be okay. looking to get back around May the 18th. Possibly, possibly, who knows? But uh, it's carnage at the moment, mate. So it's, it's, it's challenging. So what next at the moment? Don't know. Um, probably back to back to the soccer when it starts again, doing the golf when it starts again and, and all the other sports. So looking forward to it. Awesome, man. Well, look, um, I, I, I think Bournemouth's a great club as well. So I'm, I'm glad they're getting your expertise and I'll, uh, I'll hope for the best for them uh, for the rest of the season. And, um, you know, stay safe during this crazy time. And honestly, again, Dan, I can't thank you enough. Um, you know, my, my podcast is just up and running and to have someone of uh, your stature come on uh, so early and give this practically applicable advice that can just help people change their environment, change their mindset, take strides towards their, their goals and dreams is, is awesome, man. So I wish you all the best. 
um, stay safe and, and thanks again, buddy. I'll be in touch. Thank you, mate. You take care. Bye bye. You've just taken a step forward to making a positive change in your life. That's right. You're one step closer to leaving frustration, stress, and anxiety behind. This was the Beyond the Mind podcast. Let's apply some positive change into your world. Into your world.